everyone. Welcome to another episode of That's What Bee Said. I'm your host, Bree, at Breezy Clee, and tonight I'm joined by my fellow ladies at Bird's Eye View, Brittany Mollis. Hi, Britt. Hello. Welcome back again. And Miss Meredith Kane at MK on Sports. Hello, Mayor. Hello. Welcome back to you again. Three's a crowd, right? We're, We're three good. Best friends that anyone could have. <laughs> We're on a streak. We are on a streak. Um, and it's perfect timing. We have got quite a bit to get into. Uh, we, Brittany put together the rundown tonight, and I think we've had this theme before, you guys, if we I recall. Have. Yes. I'm going to have to go back. Like, was this a 2020 thing or a 2019 thing? Do you remember? We've probably done say... it more than once. Probably. <laughs> Sad. I, I definitely think we did it in 2019. Okay. So this is the good, the bad, and the ugly show. Yeah, it, it sounds like 2019. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's why I was like, oh, no, this had to have been done in 2019. Yeah, I'm gonna have to, we're going to have to go back. We'll have to fact check this information. But um, so we're going to cover off of on those three things this evening um we're gonna kick off with the good we want we want to start with the good and i believe when we did this episode the last time and themed it this way it was actually all about the browns well tonight we're gonna kick off with the cleveland cavaliers because they are the good right now in this city and you know i think surprising for some uh but they've been really fun to watch um however i will say of course you know it's like being a cleveland fan you can never really get used to things going your way for that long because in last night's game against the Celtics, not only did they lose, but Evan Mobley went down. Uh, Jared Allen was announced as being sick, so he was out for the game as as a start as well. And I know for me personally, I was really looking forward to watching the game last night after the beat down the Browns took. And then it was like, oh, man, we can't even enjoy the Cavs on Monday night. Um, but they've been battling illnesses uh, and, and injuries recently. But still, with all that being said, they have started the season nine and six. They are fifth place in the East, uh, which probably doesn't seem that significant in November. But it is really comforting to see them being competitive again. There's a long season ahead of them. So I want to kick off to you guys. Is this sustainable for our Cleveland Cavaliers? So I'm going to say no. <laughs> and we're back down. <laughs> <laughs> That's the show, everyone. <laughs> Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Um, it's not that... I don't think they're bad. Do I think it's realistic that they're going to continue to be as good as they have been? No. Um, and a lot of that has to do with the injuries they're dealing with. Um, and yesterday, you know, I actually went to the game last night, which was, it was actually, it, even though they lost, it was super fun, but there was something weird going on with oh. Evan Mobley, even before he got injured. Yeah. He mm. was like real lethargic, maybe. He looked like he wasn't really all there. Oh. Yeah. And for someone like me, who has not been able to watch any games this year, we'll get to that. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to talk about Big Cable. <laughs> Big Cable. <laughs> this is my first experience seeing him, you know, with the Cavs. And I was like, I I don't know what the, what's happening here. It just He just didn't look good. So as far as the Cavs being sustainable, I think a lot of that right now is riding on Ricky Rubio. Who, Ricky Ruby, right? Is he going to be just good for the rest of the year? No. Like, no. This is not going to happen. Um, Colin Sexton's going to be out for a while. Evan Mobley now, unfortunately, is out for Ugh. two to four weeks. 
Jenny they're fun now. Fire. I feel like you, everyone, all the fans should just take this for what it is right now. Understand that the road is going to get bumpier because it always does. Even when they had LeBron James, like they went through long stretches where they just oh, looked gosh. pretty bad. Remember that? Yes. Oh, and sure everyone do. panicked, and they're like, oh, this team's not going to the playoffs, blah, blah, blah. It was like the entire month of January. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Up until, like, trade I met, like trade deadlines always, like, you know, February. Yep. That, like, three or four-week stretch before that period was, like, hell for the Cleveland Cavaliers when LeBron yes. was there. It was awful. So I don't think this team is, is built to – to sustain this success, I do think they're going to be significantly better than they were last year. And, you know, parts of the season are going to be a lot of fun. But I, I can't tell you that, you know, Rick, the Ricky Rubio-led Cleveland Cavaliers are going <laughs> to continue to be this. I am, I'm still convinced that Ricky Rubio is Roy Kent. And I know you don't watch Ted Lasso, but I'm going to have to send you some clips from, like, YouTube or something. I refuse. Um it's youtube not apple um but i actually so i'll disagree to an extent Uh, i do agree that the ricky rubio show can't last like i don't know what is in his wheaties currently but he's gonna run out but the way the team is playing it's very team oriented you know they it's not built to rely on one singular person and the only reason that especially against the Celtics that it was against that one singular person is because Ricky Rubio was like the only person whose head was in the game last night. But overall, it's not a team that's looking the way it used to, where it was like, okay, LeBron's the star. Everything's built about LeBron. So then LeBron leaves and then Kyrie is left before, you know, before he exits. So it's like, okay, let's build around Kyrie. Well, you can't really build around Kyrie. And, and that's kind of how, the Cavs have been in the past and it's kind of like the LeBron James effect where it's always built around this one singular superstar or this one singular person that's expected to carry the team. And I think for a moment, like that expectation was on Colin Sexton, which was incredibly unfair to him, especially as a 20 year old rookie. When he first came into the league, Mm -hmm. they were kind of looking at him saying like, okay, save your Colin Sexton. And that's not, that's not the case. That was never going to be the case. So I think they're starting to really work together in a team aspect and on a normal night where they're not missing half their starters and like half their bench players they really are built as a team and that's the kind of play that's sustainable and one of the things that I absolutely love that the Cavs are finally doing I wanted them to do this with Andre Drummond and this is why I was really upset that Andre Drummond didn't work out in Cleveland is because a lot of the teams are playing small ball, like the Warriors are playing small ball. And uh, that's sort of the, where teams are getting built. And all of a sudden you bring in Andre Drummond, who's like this old school big man. And I just wanted the Cavaliers to set the stage and to kind of be on the forefront of a new trend in the NBA where they're going back to that classic big man style of play. And it just didn't work out. But now like the three tallest guys on the team are like, Seven one, six eleven. Right. Like Jared Allen is six ten, and he's the third tallest guy on the team. I love it. So yes, I know. So they're kind of getting back to the, like that big man play that I had hoped they had were going to do with Andre Drummond, but now they're truly building around it. So I don't, I don't necessarily think it's not sustainable. I think as long as the team is healthy, which I know is a very like loaded statement. But when you have a healthy team and they're working together, that 
is absolutely sustainable. Yeah, I think it's going to all depend on their health because I think they're on this like nine man rotation. And when you play 82 games in a season, you're going to get burnout if you have to continue playing this way, missing so many key players. So, you know, it's really fun right now. They're exceeding expectations at this point in time, which is really fun. And I think they, they do have that underdog mentality, which makes them even more fun to watch. And they're kind of rallying behind that of, you know, they're, they were probably being written off in a lot of teams' minds as being an easy win because, you know, the past couple of years, that's how it has been. Uh, and I don't think they are being viewed that way as much anymore. Um, and I think to your point, Meredith, like it's the team aspect now. You know, it's not reliant on one guy, um, which – I think takes a lot of pressure off of a lot of the players and it's a young like they're a young team Mm -hmm. which I think we can all be excited about um and yeah there's a lot of big guys on the team but they're also mobile and athletic which I think just wasn't gonna work with Andre Drummond you know like because he was just kind of big in there yeah (laughs) Whereas, whereas Jared Allen is big and can run yeah like they're like the Kevin Durant you know like where they're like honestly I went to the game on Friday night we took the kids uh, and Brittany, I know you were there last night, and even though they lost, it was still fun. And we had a blast. I have not been to a Cavs game since, I think, 2018. Oh, no, we went right before the pandemic. So I did get to oh, go. Oh, yeah, 2019 we went. Yeah, I no, haven't taken... No, 2020. That was 2020. Yeah, because like, it was right, right before, before everything COVID shut down. Um, but I haven't taken the kids since, I think, 2018. Um, so it was their first experience, like, being a little bit older and... They had a blast, but I was laughing because I was like, it feels like the team is like built of like a bunch of slender mans <laughs> because they're like all so tall and skinny. And I know like a lot of guys in the NBA are tall. Like that's just, that's the identity of the NBA. There's a bunch of tall guys and then Steph Curry, but like the calves are specifically like slender men. They're super skinny, but super athletic and really fast and long. And it's like arms, like just a bunch of arms. <laughs> arms <laughs> they have a bunch of people who were literally just born to play basketball because imagine exactly my thing Athletes. with basketball players is that you look at them and they're so like yes. freakishly large what else could they possibly do that wouldn't yeah. look weird yes exactly it's it's it is really like a bizarre look to them right like, like imagine athletic. going to they like they should um, be awkward but they're not yeah, imagine going to, like, a mechanic and this, like, seven-foot-tall mechanic just... Co- like, I'd be terrified. <laughs> These people, they can't have normal jobs because, like, they're... You know, they're, when you're that freakishly large, like, somebody had to have given you a basketball when you were, like, three and been like, all right, this is what you have to do. This is your life now. Also, could you imagine like- them playing, like, any other sport? Because if you look at the other three major sports, if you got baseball, football... And hockey, uh, hockey players are, I think the shortest hockey player in the league right now is 5'7". And then Zeno Chara, I don't know if he's still in the league or not, but he's 6'7". But you can be a really powerful and successful hockey player if you're under 5'9". Baseball, like Jose Altuve is 5'7". You can be a really powerful baseball player if you're 5'7". My favorite picture of all time is the one of Jose Altuve standing next to Aaron Judge. Because Aaron Judge is almost seven feet tall, and it just makes him look like Maddox standing next to any one of us. Like, <laughs> no. It's hilarious. It would be so crazy to just see what if the Cleveland Browns were just everyone was over six five. Could you imagine how daunting that would be to have a team that large? 
Yeah, and I like I go back to like Steph Curry is he's small. I mean, he's considered small for an NBA player, which actually like basketball was my sport. I'm only five foot one, so I like I always dealt with like you're not tall enough to play this sport, but you can actually have success in the sport if you're a really good shooter, you have really good vision, and you're fast and quick. Like you, you can actually like still be really, really good, which obviously Steph Curry excels at in shooting. I mean, he can literally pull up from anywhere on the court. He's that big of a threat. Um, but yeah, this team, you know, it's, it's just like, we haven't seen this in a while, like all on one NBA team. And I think it's great. And Darius Garland too is like some of the passes that he throws um, and alley-oops, like it is dunk oh, yeah. city. It's yes. so much fun. Like, it is little art. dude, I, like, I don't know what year it was, like 2017 or 16. It, it might as well have been that year because he was, like, dabbing after every dunk. <laughs> I don't know what was happening. But my husband and I would just look over and he'd be, like, hitting a dab after a, a Cavs play. And I was like, I, like, what year was that Cam Newton did? That? Was that, like, 2016? It was a while ago. I, right. Yeah, I saw the videos of him dabbing and I was like, wait, is like... I didn't realize that was still a thing. I wonder if kids at school are still doing it. I don't know. He unprompted just dabbing all night long. There were like these teenage boys in front of us and behind us, and they were just like egging him on. So then it just became <laughs> like, I don't know, a dab off. It was, it was, it was a lot. So <laughs> you want to know, okay. So because I'm curious, while we were talking, I Googled Steph Curry height. It came He's up like as 6'3", six, six, right? So it came up as 6'2". So you know how Google will also pull up more suggestions uh-huh. after you google something <laughs> yes so the first the first suggestion under the more results is is steph curry really six <laughs> well yeah they usually lie about it <laughs> i mean i know they lie about heights in the nfl all the time they do it in every I, sport i mean they I do this in high school they would list me as five foot three i'm like i'm five foot one and that is that is pushing it that's such a weird thing. That's such a weird thing to lie about a person's height. Because just because you tell, like, just because you tell everyone you're five ten doesn't change the fact that you're five seven. Yeah, I, I'm sure. Looking at you, it's probably Bumble like the Bros. Kyle Murray, Kyle Kyler Murray thing. <laughs> oh yeah, Bros. I'm I'm convinced. I'm convinced Kyler Murray's like five six or five seven. Because oh was, yeah. I forget what there was a picture of him standing next to somebody. I forget who it was, but I think that person had a combine height listed of 5'10 or 5'11, and Kyler Murray was several inches shorter than them. <laughs> what is he listed? I was like, the, uh, Kyler Murray's listed at 5'10, I think. There's abs- that's No, no, no way. way. Yeah. No, so not a little. chance. He maybe not looks like chance. he's my height. Yeah. Maybe. You should, I, we need to find a way to get you in the same room as him, and you should wear heels to see if you're taller than him. Oh, I promise you I would be taller than him. <laughs> I promise you. I took a picture. Okay, you know how like the Cavs used to have those. Uh, yeah, uh, they were like on the side, the side of the walls where like you know there's the, the pictures of the players. Yeah, like, yes. the players. So I took one next to Colin Sexton, who's listed at six two. Honest to God, guys, there was not that much of a difference. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, he is not six foot. He can't. Be. I mean, maybe if you count the hair. You, you could have a case, but like I was saying, they're all five six of me, and I'm telling you, like a couple inches, maybe. I'll I'll show you guys the picture so you know what I'm talking about. But like, I don't know. 
yeah, even if it is six two, like even six two is considered, you know, small for that small. position. It's crazy that six foot two would be considered small for anything. I know. Right? I know. Yeah, true. Um, I want to ask you guys about Evan Mobley. We talked about him a little bit. And obviously, you know, outside of last night, he's had a pretty solid start to his rookie career. Kobe Altman, is this his best pick, you know, since he's been the GM of this team? Seems like it. I, I feel like really from, from everything that say. I've read about him, like, yeah. Again, like, because it. they haven't been able to watch them very often, big cable. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't have that much experience, you know, with the eye test, which, oh, God, I hate that saying anyway, eye test. Like, what do I know? You know what I mean? What does <laughs> anyone know? You sound like, a, you sound like a bro test? on Twitter watching the Browns. <laughs> right. <laughs> my eye oh, my God. Test the eye the, test. The, What's your eye test? Well, uh, fine, Frank. The bro on Twitter who watches the All-22 film and thinks that they're an NFL <laughs> right. scout. Right. Thinks that they should be calling plays. I know. There's, like, one or two guys on Twitter who are genuinely good at breaking down film and then every single bro subscribes to nfl network just to get access to that all 22 because they think that they're on the same level do you guys remember when everyone wanted kobe altman fired because he traded away kevin porter jr yes yeah i saw today this graphic and like granted i'm not super great at reading nba graphics it's like a little chart of their heads you know what i'm talking about where it's like the different (laughs) what are they called uh, I don't know. What quadrants? That's what I was looking for. Different <laughs> quadrants, and I see like three heads in the bottom quadrant, like the, the bottom left, one. the bo- which the would be bad okay. bottom one. Yeah, and guess who's down there, guys? Is it KPJ? It's KPJ. Was he was he was having a good year last year, right? I was I was sad about that. Well, I he was, was struggling sad too because you know, like out of the young players, I thought that he was the most electric. Like he was the the most fun to watch. But also, I trusted that there were things going on behind the scenes yeah. that we just weren't privy to. Right. There was something happening, and it's more than what was reported. Um, we got Darius Garland now. We're good. Yeah, like, good to go. But there were a lot of people who wanted Kobe Altman fired for that one, which was, that was always just seems to be something our fan base does. <laughs> this is the only fan base that I've ever interacted with that wants their GM fired every other year. Because, I mean, like, other fan bases will have moments where they want to fire their GM. But it's usually after continued stacks on stacks on stacks of questionable decisions, frustrating decisions, things that don't make sense, things that aren't helping the team, things that aren't good for the fan base. You know, it's it's something that stacks on stacks on stacks on stacks. Whereas here, <laughs> it's one pick that you don't like. Oh, fire him. I want to talk about I want to talk about this too when we get into when we move into the Browns because I I have a theory that we're like in our own little Cleveland bubble which is fine but Mm -hmm. I want to kind of talk a little bit more because the NFL is a hot mess right now oh yeah and it feels like if you were not in a Browns bubble is this what you'd be experiencing elsewhere as well so we'll dive we'll dive into that but before we do um, and before we get to Big Cable, because we got to talk about it, uh, Brittany, you wrote down a hot take in here, and I actually thought it was—I thought it was a good one, especially like for this moment in time. Yeah. So even when the Cavs weren't like last year or the year before that, I genuinely—if I were to get season tickets to one of the three teams, it would one hundred percent be the Cavs. 
And even if they're terrible, even if they had, you know, a bad night. Last night wasn't great. But the environment, everything yes. there is so welcoming and fun. And it's just a good time. Like, going to Cavs games is one of my absolute favorite things to do. And I plan on going to a lot more. Number one, because I can't watch them on <laughs> television. But also because, like, it's just, it's so much fun. I can't encourage people enough to actually go to Cavs games. It's not that expensive. They have these season ticket packages where it's like a, a, a monthly pass or something that you buy. Is that right? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. Well, I think because the season's so long, you know, they always offer um, different options in terms of, like, game packs. And then they've been doing a promo, too, for families um, starting at $21 a ticket for four. And then you get, like, a $10 food voucher as well, which is also a steal if you have kids. Yeah. Especially like when you go and get, like, the dollar like... dogs and $2 beers. and Yeah. I would agree with you, Brittany. I know I texted you guys after we went on Friday after taking the kids and you know my kids are seven and a half and six so it's you know they're still on the younger side but uh, I've been to Browns games I would never take them to a Browns game oh god yeah no. like a regular season <laughs> game I mean it is just the things that they would experience just walking to the game like I they should not experience until they're at least in college <laughs> well and also and I don't know if this is just no, but like me. I'm usually one of those fans like especially Browns games I am so guilty of this almost every single game I attend I leave early like well it's long it's a that's long exactly, game yeah, that's a, exactly what i was gonna say and i don't know if it's just because of the nature of what i do for for work that you know i work 10 to 12 hour days on sundays it it feels like football takes Forever. all day it takes up your entire sunday or if it's college football it takes up your entire saturday whereas with basketball you can it's go quick. to a game and it's done by 9.30 and you can yeah. still get home and get bed at, get to bed at a reasonable hour. Yeah. Showing show my age a little bit. But <laughs> it's something fun that you could do on a weeknight and it doesn't take all day. It doesn't, you know, kill you for work the next day. Like it's something, if you live close to downtown or down or actually downtown, it's not something that's difficult to do on a Tuesday or a Wednesday evening. Yeah, and I think, too, it's it's a fast-paced game as well. So there's mm -hmm. just always action happening, like, at, on one side of the court or the other. So it keeps your – I think it keeps kids' attention a lot quicker. There's dunks that are exciting. And, like, this is so stupid, and I, it probably annoys a lot of people. There's probably people on both sides of the fence about this. But they do, like, the the cheers, like, in-game, like, as the game's going on, where it'll be like, dun, dun, defense. And my kids were, yes. like, cheering every time and, like – in between like timeouts they're very it's very like interactive like the dance cam dancing the dabbing that was taking place I mean it was just an overall like really fun environment everyone was so friendly mm -hmm. um I just it's just a lot of fun to, to go to a basketball game these days so yeah I'm, I'm kind of with you Brittany especially for a family event yeah. as well and you know what happened last night that I really thoroughly enjoyed so <laughs> Oh boy. Taco Fall was oh, just yes. standing. He was just standing on the side of the court. No, actually he was they were taking him out of the game. Like it was early. So he was just going to take a rest or whatever. But as take he was rest. walking off the court, like the crowd just started chanting, Let's go, Taco. Oh, I know everyone <laughs> loves Taco. <laughs> like he's such a, a crowd pleaser for reasons nobody Another knows. Another Slender Man. Like, we all get it. 
Yes, Taco. We so the game we went to, they were blowing out Detroit, you know, into the third quarter. Like it, it was not a game at that point. And my husband was like, "Can we get Taco Fall in the game?" He was like so <laughs> mad. And I was like, everybody starts like talking about like they need to put Taco in. And then when we turned on the game last night, for some reason, I thought the game started at like eight. So I was like. 30 minutes behind I was very confused when I turned it on there was only four minutes left in the second <laughs> quarter I was so confused why he was in the game playing in the second quarter and I was like oh boy someone must be injured oh yeah he was in like early and often it was great for people who love taco fall which is literally <laughs> everyone <laughs> at rock and works field house chanting for him as he's leaving the like where else could taco fall get that kind of hospitality other than Cleveland Ohio I Can don't you imagine if he played exists. for the Browns Oh, my God. Imagine him as, like, a wide receiver. <laughs> I mean, hopefully he's tall enough that Baker could see him. Ow. Sorry, that was mean. Burn. That was, that was mean. Meredith. <laughs> Sorry. That's fine. Okay, can we talk about Big Cable before we move on from the Cavs? Yes, please. Okay. So, the Cavs won on Friday night. And then they won on a comeback on Saturday night. And what started kind of trending on Cleveland Twitter was, well, we can't even watch the Cavs, and they're good. Yes. And this is because of, um, you know, the the cable networks. There's This happened, like, what, a year ago? or two? Is this a year ago or two years ago that – they took them off of like the streaming services. It's exclusively on Valley Sports Network, which you can't find um, on a lot of these streaming services. You have to pay for them separately or you have to get specific cable, which a lot of people these days stream their TV service. They, they just do like Hulu, YouTube TV, um, Amazon. I mean, there's a million options for streaming. So I think the other thing that is driving people crazy is like you, Brittany, living in Cleveland you can't get the game and you actually live in the city that the team that you root for is playing in. And I saw a lot of people commenting as well, regardless of the city that you were living in, like even if you pay for NBA league pass, it's blacked out because they're in the Cleveland market. So it seems like there's just a lot of frustration in not actually being able to have the ability to watch a good Cleveland Cavaliers team. So it's insane to me that, I th- I'm pretty sure this happened before the start of last season because last season I wasn't able to watch many games either. But the thing that I can't – so you had this this period of time where you were trying to get the fans excited for the Cleveland Cavaliers without LeBron James. Yes. So there was this void there. There was you. They were probably in panic mode. Like, okay, how do we fix this? How do we generate interest? How do we keep people engaged? How do we motivate people to be Cavs fans? The fact that it's led to this, where people in Cleveland literally cannot watch them on television. If I want to see the Cavs, I have to go to Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. I don't know how you let this continue. And there's no, like, it doesn't seem to be any reports that this is going to get fixed anytime soon. It seems to be like, well, this is just the normal now, and you can either, you know, get cable and have access to it, or find somebody else's cable and then hook <laughs> it up to, like, all these steps just to watch a basketball game. 
This is your job to get people interested in this team, especially after you let a super... Well, I should rephrase that. Especially after a superstar walked away and you're, they just completely dropped the ball on this. And I had somebody... Oh, this I put this in there because I don't... This really got me going. I tweeted about this the other day. And, you know, I was, I was bitching about cable and blah, blah, blah. And this guy goes, what did he say? Um, Most people still have cable, despite yeah, okay, what they want it. you to think? Yes. So that he was like, most people still have cable. It's 2021 and you don't have cable. I'm like, dude. Most people don't have cable. And he's like, yes, they do. That's just what they want you to think. I was like, who the hell's they? Who is this they that I have to worry about? There's another entity that I'm not aware of? Who is they that wants me to think this? Because my family would just give me their their passwords if they had cable. My friends would just you know let me log on to their shit if they had cable. Who is they? Directing and the maybe? way he typed it, you know what drives me crazy when people like type things? They put like little ellipses at the end, you know, the three periods to make. Oh my god, that's the most annoying. I do that all the time. I'm sorry. Okay, okay. So I'm an offender. I, I, you, you just tr- triggered me. I need to go off on the ellipses for just a second, because uh, this feels like a very baby boomer thing. Ellipses are not a period, so they're like so ellipses, and this is just me being like an English grammar nerd. They serve two purposes. So in broadcast when you're doing broadcast writing so anything that like an anchor would see on a teleprompter or uh, in a script ellipses just mean pause ellipses are a a replacement for commas specifically and exclusively in broadcast writing and that's just because it's easier to see than a comma especially when you're reading quickly it's a lot easier to pause when you see that ellipses Mm -hmm. now in in outside of the broadcast world the ellipses means something is missing. So for example, if I'm quoting someone and I take the first half of their quote and the second half of their quote, but I leave out something in the middle, I put in an ellipses to indicate that there's more to it. I just didn't have the space or it wasn't relevant to the point that I was trying to make or or whatever. But those ellipses mean that there is something being excluded, something being left out when it's on the end of a sentence it means that there should be a continuing thought afterwards. So it drives me up the effing wall when I see people just typing out like two or three words, ellipses, two or three words, ellipses, two or three words, or they just type out a tweet and then end it with an ellipses. I'm sitting there thinking, okay, what what else? What comes next? What are you trying to say? Like, what are you trailing off and trying to say? It drives me absolutely bonkers. And I don't know at what point people misunderstood what ellipses meant. It drives me crazy. I'm sorry. I had to, I had to rant because I feel it, personally I, attacked. <laughs> Bree, do you do that? I don't think Are you I've a ever boomer? seen you do this. I've never I'm seen you do that, I do Bree. feel like I use ellipses because when I want to be mysterious. That's well, yeah, that's, and that's it. Yes, and that's, that's another. It. Okay, that's, that's, okay. Like, that's if, fine. If he didn't use the ellipses and he just said that's what they want you to think, I wouldn't have thought anything of it. But he added those ellipses twice in the sense, and I'm like, yes, oh, okay. yeah, and that's me. like, and that's definitely a millennial use of it. It it adds a little bit of so 
like yeah. that kind of attitude to yes. it. So that's fun. Passive that aggressively. Exactly. Perhaps. Exactly. So yeah, that that is fun. I'm talking about people who use ellipses like as a period. Oh no, I don't. I don't think I do that. No, I yeah, don't do no, that. you definitely don't do that. I I'll do it for pauses a lot of times just because I'm so used to writing in broadcast style. It's hard to break that habit. But yeah, people, especially on Twitter, they overuse the ellipses, and you guys need to you guys need to learn the correct proper usage. Because if you're not, then yes, it feels passive aggressive. It absolutely does. So anyway, sorry, I had to rant. I had to rant. That's okay. We we accept rants here. Last week it was big air, big cable, <laughs> big, ellipses, this week, big ellipses. This week, big, this week it's big grammar. Big, big grammar. grammar. Big <laughs> ellipses. <laughs> <laughs> big ellipsy and big grammar. Collab. Did you guys see my tweet last night about Evan Mobley? No. I think oh, maybe. Oh my God. What the did you say? that I gave him and now can't stop calling him. What is it? Okay, so he was, I don't even know. I think he was on the sidelines of a Browns game at like, I don't know, their practice or something. And he was wearing an orange hoodie. So then we just started calling him Big Orange, like as a joke. And now it's gotten to the point where I have trouble remembering his name because all I ever call him is Big Orange because he wore an orange hoodie one time to one practice. <laughs> Put some respect on that man's name, Big, Big orange. orange. It was so cute, though. It was. He looked like he looks like a little baby that's just real tall. Just stretched all the way out. He's Disturbing. Face. I, I feel him. like that it's that's the way it is with a lot of NBA players, especially when they go one and done in college, because they're they even though they are legal adults when they enter the NBA, sometimes they're not even old enough to drink. Colin Sexton wasn't old enough to drink in his rookie year in the NBA. Wild. Yeah, and it felt like it feels like he's a literal child, even though a twenty year old is definitely a, a mostly fully grown man. But yeah, you look at them and they just wow. they feel so young. I know. That's why I said mostly. They might they might be like their body might be fully grown, but their uh they're maturity stretched. definitely is it. <laughs> they're stretched, not grown. Um all right, so we're gonna move into the bad, but before we do, we have to wrap up our last thing with the good. Um, and that is just noting the fact that the Dolans came to an agreement with the Coet Roller Derby Guardian team that Jesus. the name will be shared, Guardians, for That's the baseball so team as well. Whole news story is anticlimactic. Yeah, it, it, it very much is. I was just like, mm, whatever. Uh, but <laughs> I know because the there was the whole the the lawyer came yeah, it's out over. and was speaking publicly, and there was this lawsuit, and it was a whole big thing that they were shortchanging them and ignoring them. I was just like, oh my god, this is spicy. And then two weeks later, it's like, oh yeah, no, we're agreed, we're good. I mean, Brittany, you have a good point though. Like typically, there's a lot of legal things that go into like renaming things like yeah i don't understand like the the indians former indians did not have a legal department to vet through all this stuff before they decided on the name the guardians it's just, it's just wild to me like we did more research for girl gang clee than they did right. for the guardians yes mm -hmm. i don't know how a billion dollar franchise gets to this point and then they're like Oh well, I guess this theme's already taken. Oops. Like, how was who? How many people had to oversee this that just didn't do their due diligence? Well, I mean, I think that's and that's one of the reasons why the Washington football team is still the Washington football team because they have names 
that they want, but there's still like legal issues that they're going through and being able to obtain the rights yeah. to the name in order to use it for a sporting team. So they're still going through a lot of legal things and they changed their name in 2019. They've been the Washington football team for two years. I like it. I think they just keep it. I agree. I, I, I think that it should be the Washington football team at this point, if it would feel dumb. To change it. And plus, I like the logo too. Like, I, I like the big W in burgundy and, and gold. Yeah, it's cute. Yeah. I disagree. <laughs> All right. Let's get into the bad. Um, and that is the Cleveland Browns. Your Cleveland Browns. Uh, so the Browns are at five and five, week 10. Did we have that? No. <laughs> we that was not on the bingo. No, we did I, not. Think, I think at this point, most people probably had them around two maybe three losses at the most yeah so we were coming off of a hot hot victory against the Bengals, uh the cine bangos i believe if i saw that graphic correctly on twitter (laughs) meredith did you not see this no (laughs) okay we gotta send it to you i think i saw Brittany. you tweeted it too but someone on twitter created this like hand-drawn graphic of the afc north and so they wrote out, like, each team name, but, like, intentionally spelled everything wrong. <laughs> they drew the graphic, and then they tried to describe what was happening in the AFC North. And it is fantastic. We will send it to you, but I believe they I called the Bengals the Cine Bengos. Yes. <laughs> is it like that? Is it like that girl on TikTok? Yes. Just who designs other people's logos? Yes. I yes. think they took inspiration from this, but it really, it really does like just add to the fact that the AFC North was so messy last week that these like incorrect names and logos just like they didn't even name the Browns the Browns. It was a really poor drawing of a helmet that I thought was an igloo. <laughs> there was no name attached to it. Wait, you said Brittany tweeted it out? Hold on. I yeah, I think Brittany did. I didn't see you right now. Okay. Oh, my God. It gets funnier every time you look at it. Yeah, I don't know how I missed that. Well, because so there was good. so much toxicity on Twitter yesterday. Like, That's you true. don't get to see the fun things on Twitter. And then another thread that I hope you guys saw was the kid or the guy, I don't know who he was, that went through all of the coaches in the NFL. Yes! And said what they would be doing for their job. That was job so good. Oh, my God. My favorite one. Oh, what was it? One of the guys he said would have been a podcaster. Oh, Nick Sirianni said if he wasn't an NFL coach, which would be a podcaster. <laughs> I like Staley, the youth pastor. I'm like, he does look like a youth pastor. And then which one was it? Was it Bill Belichick? Would I think his was would still be coaching yeah, football still somehow. Um, all right. So anyway, uh, so everything went wrong on Sunday in Foxborough after coming off of that win. Uh, they lost 45 to 7. It was almost like the inverse of the Bengals game, but they were beaten in every single aspect, offense, defense, coaching. The first drive was fine, as it typically is with the Browns, and then everything went to hell and fell apart, and they could never recover from that. Ladies, do you have a worst part of the game? Well, I, I do want to talk about that opening drive for just a second because I know it it ended up okay and everyone was excited because it did turn into seven points. But you had Dearness Johnson running, what was it, 46 yards down the field. They get down to first and goal and Baker Mayfield is passing the ball on every single play and David Njoku drops and they, they he wound up finding Austin Hooper on fourth down 
but they get down to the red zone and it's throwing. And I'm, I'm sorry, like, why? I'm sorry, Meredith. I just opened, I just reopened this week with Brittany. <laughs> yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry for everyone. There's so many, like the fact that best, like the B is not capitalized, but everything else. And it says third, third place. Third, third place. Um, and then Sorry. the raven, the raven is blue. I don't know if that's just my me not like have the my glasses Steelers on. Steelers are just still, still no. did didn't lose to the Lions. Yay! Who made this? Oh my god! Like the Bengal, the drawing of the Bengal. <laughs> By week didn't lose. Last game sixteen to forty one to these guys. Right, like make it make sense. This is so so messy. So messy. Okay. Anyway, I'm sorry. I, I love it. it. I, I just okay. like, opened it and I was like crying, laughing. <laughs> oh, I mean, if uh, if these NFL teams were smart, they would do what other companies are doing and just adopt those as their logos and not you know on their uniforms, but on like social media as their avatars because that's what some of the other brands are doing. Absolutely. That's what they need to do. <laughs> Stell. As you were, as you were saying, as you were saying, I was just, I was just bitching about that opening drive, and if Baker had missed Austin Hooper on that fourth down, I don't know that they would have scored at all during the game. It would Ugh. have been a complete shutout. So the fact that you had Dearness Johnson ripping off forty-six yards on an opening drive, now not all at once, but like I think total he got forty-six yards rushing. And then they get to the red zone and all of a sudden they're passing every play. I don't understand. Kevin, make it make sense. Help. I'm just sick of watching them only score like in the opening drive and then we don't score again. <laughs> ever again. <laughs> well, remember back in 2019 where. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't want to remember. No. It's terrible. <laughs> but remember when like after the season was done, I think it was Jarvis maybe. Or somebody who somebody said it, and they're like, Freddie went into it, just like freeballing everything. Yeah, he had no plan. <laughs> right, he was had no plan. On... They didn't even they didn't even know the game plan. Yes, right. On Sunday morning, yes, yes. no clue. But what we're that seeing was Jarvis, now, and that was at the me, Super Bowl. Yeah, it he seems like that. now we're just seeing the exact opposite of that, where Kevin Stefanski has a plan, and no matter what happens, that's gonna be the plan. And, one of the things that I said when I was watching that game on Sunday was that, you know, obviously, like, I, I love Kevin Stefanski. I think he's a great coach. Mm-hmm. But historically, if you even go back to the beginning parts of last season, or maybe even, like, in the later games, too, they're not great at making adjustments. Right. Like, you know, I remember in the Tennessee game, um, they went out and they blew them out of the water in the first half, like to the point where it was almost comical. And then they slowly let, like Tennessee adjusted, and they slowly yes. came, they crept back into the game, into a game which they should have never been in. Mm-hmm. But that happened several times where, you know, it's, he, he goes in and it's all, you know, foot to the gas, go full speed. And then these other teams, like, catch up but now what we're seeing is that he has a plan and this is the plan throughout the game whether it's working or not like we're just going to stick to this that's what it looks like to me so it's the exact opposite of freddie kitchens 
and neither one of these systems work. Yeah. You can't have no plan and you can't just have one plan and say this is what we're going to do and not make adjustments because they're going to keep getting destroyed if they don't learn how to adjust. Yeah, it's like type A to a fault. Yeah. Which surprises me because I, I don't, I wouldn't have pegged him for that. I I mean, I think the Patriots game, it's, it's really hard to try to look at that game and point fingers at anything because there were so many things that were just so bad. And obviously you're going up against, quite frankly, the best football coach of all time. And he just has the ability to exploit your weaknesses and just pick you apart. And we were already going into the game without having Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. Um, so that right there, like, Dearness Johnson is amazing. He performed very well, especially on that first drive. But then it was like, okay, well, they started stacking the box again. So they were like, we're going to take away the run from you. Go ahead and pass it. And we have not been able to pass the ball well all season except against the Bengals. And what did we do? DPJ was our number one target. So then it's like, okay, look, they're going to stuff the run, and then they're going to take away your best receiver at this point, which is DPJ. They did that. We didn't have a counter, no. which to me is like, okay, so then Baker throws an interception. They go down and score again. At that point, you're down two scores. And then it was like you're playing right into their hands because mm-hmm. at that point you you have to make up so much ground. Stefanski almost gave up on the run so early on that then we had to pass and then it's so easy to defend when you know what the team is going to do i mean we pretty much did that against the Bengals the week prior right like joe burrow throws that pick six at the beginning of the game they go down and then we go and score again they go down again then you're like okay well they're going to probably start relying on the pass and that's going to be way easier for our defense to defend i mean it was literally like watching Mm -hmm. the team or the game that we had played the week prior play out at the opposite end for us it was so bizarre to me No, imagine yeah. in your own life, if you're, like, so rigid and stuck on this one idea of how things should go, and you can't adjust to things. Like, Bree, imagine, like, your schedule as a mom. <laughs> what would your life be like if you were unable to adjust to obstacles? Yeah, it wouldn't... It wouldn't... Nothing would be good. I would no. be firing everyone every no, day. It's, it's gonna be <laughs> chaos. And that's unless they learn how to do that, that's what's gonna happen this year. It's just, it's gonna be. I just, uh, I just had a picture of of Brie firing everyone in her household. Like her, she's like sitting down with Maddox and being like, "Listen, little dude, we really appreciate your contributions to this family. However, you haven't been meeting expectations, and we're gonna have to let you go." Oh, <laughs> I know. It's, I, I, I mean, listen, I'm someone that likes to have things, like, planned out. I, I I, don't really like when things don't go the way that I want them to go. But, yeah, I mean, in the NFL, game to game, like, you have to be able to make adjustments. And based on what the players were saying after the game, I mean, it felt like they wanted to make adjustments and the coaches weren't I, I don't I don't know like I actually think like regardless of how they played on Sunday based on how things have went the last couple of weeks and really throughout this entire season I'm not certain that this team is as I as gelled together or as on the same page as we all thought they would be going into year two it's mm-hmm. and, and like 
guys, I'm, I'm going to say this out loud. I have not said this on Twitter. I have not said this to you guys in a group text or anything, but I'm not sure if you saw the game, the Monday night football game last night. Obviously you guys were, you were at the Cavs game, but um, there was a report that came out that OBJ like actually didn't want to leave the Browns. And he was like surprised by everything, which I also like don't believe. But then I started thinking a little bit more and I was like, okay, is there like, is there a little bit more to this that like hasn't come out that we don't know about that? I started to maybe question like, what is going on? So in the past, there has always been some kind of leak in Berea. And that has kind that has been what the beat reporters have latched onto and been the center of their stories. And I think that that comes that that causes a lot of frustration of the fans because then they're like, oh, you're only focusing on the negative. But at the same time, you have to understand that when any news comes out about the team that you're covering, if you don't write about it, you're going to lose your job. Mm-hmm. So with the Browns, there were lot, there were lots of leaks and they were happening all over the place. And then, of course, the beat reporters were privy to them and were writing about them. And since Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski have taken over, those leaks are gone. They've completely plugged every single hole. So I think if this was a different regime, I feel like we we might have a better picture of what's going on. But also at the same time, a lot of those leaks had agendas. So, you know, it was someone who was trying to get a, a certain side of the story out there and if they leak their information first that's what everyone winds up writing about but those are completely gone now so we don't have any insight really as to what's going on behind those walls and Kevin Stefanski is very straight laced with what he says in every press conference win or lose it's very by the book it's very much so that type a so we don't really have these leaks so i 100 percent think that what we saw was just the tip of the iceberg it wasn't even the tip of the iceberg it was like a snowflake at the top of the tip of the iceberg i mean Brittany, is it time to hit the panic button Well, God, now I don't know. <laughs> I was fine with everything. And so I was prepared to say, no, like we could hold off a week or two. But now I'm worried. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, this is just me being like reading way into things. Oh, but, but... you know, I love a good conspiracy theory here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. You I'm guys like... just brought up a lot of good points. And... I, okay, so I was thinking <gasps> should too. We, we should look at body language. We should. That's definitely <laughs> going to be an indication on Sunday. Okay, but to be fair, the three of us have a much, ha- have the emotional intelligence. We're more qualified for that. To read body language rather than the 24-year-old Chad on Twitter who That is can't... true. You but can't like, even figure out when their girlfriend is mad at them if they have a girlfriend. Trying to read Kevin Stefanski's body language, how? Oh he my god, it's impossible. Nothing. He's got a poker face, his arms are always crossed. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine having him as a dad. Oh my god. That would be that would be terrifying, I think. <laughs> right? Yeah, because you can't tell. Very even-keeled. So, okay, do you guys ever, like, look at a person and they remind you of something or, like, they have the same energy as something? Yes. 
Kevin Stefanski to me has the same look and energy of like a red-tailed hawk or a bald eagle, like some kind of big raptor bird. Like he's got those piercing eyes that'll <laughs> stare holes that. through you. And it's that that expressionless poker face. Like he just he has hawk energy. He reminds me of a big bird. Big hawk energy. Big hawk energy. Yes. So when Brie can't sleep at night, well, me and Brie, when we can't sleep at night, we're up in bed thinking about Todd Haley. When Meredith can't sleep at night, she is trying to decipher what Kevin Stefanski's spirit animal. Yes. She's I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out what he reminds me of and he just he reminds me of a raptor or a hawk or one of those, you know, birds of prey type animals i don't know no i could see that i, I mean that, i think that's the energy someone is really good at photoshop they might be able to like do a like oh my god could they do it like animorphs did you guys ever read those books when you were younger yeah like if like give them some like claws maybe we can i was have a- the person that made the afc north thing perfect it would be like it would be like kev steph steffy or something like that yes exactly <laughs> but if someone's good at photoshop i want to see i want to see kevin stefanski photoshopped into like a raptor similar to the covers on the anamorphs books that would make me so happy <laughs> so someone's gonna make it for you Oh my god, that would that would make my year. Yeah, I don't know why I was thinking about Todd Haley last night. I literally was just like 2018, <laughs> and Brittany, I did. I thought of Todd Haley, and then I thought of you. I was like, Brittany would be so proud of me. Whoa! Right <laughs> this was after like two hours of not being able to sleep and like going down to Taylor Swift. Like, I don't know. I was down deep into the tunnels of Taylor Swift's relationships, <laughs> and then I was laying there, and I was like. Man, I wonder what Todd Haley is doing right now. I think he's coaching like a high school team. And I was like, man, 2018 feels like so long ago. But nobody ever really talks about how Baker Mayfield was running a Todd Haley slash Hugh Jackson offense that Freddie Kitchens was calling and Greg Williams was the head coach of. Like, I was just like, Isn't what offense wild? was Todd Haley? Like, what offense did he put together? Like, maybe maybe Kevin should tap into some of that. Listen, I never wanted to get rid of Todd Haley. I was devastated when they got rid of Todd Haley. That crushed me. I I don't know if I should be embarrassed by this or not. I think the article is still available if you, like, search the bowels of Google. But I was asked to write an article... During, during that era. it's with taylor swift's relationships I i'll find it but i wrote i wrote a whole article about todd haley and how he was gonna turn the browns around like i wrote a whole article it's not that bad of a take i think he, he thought he was gonna have. turn the browns around i'm convinced also that todd haley probably stays up at night listening to the 10 minute version of all too well dedicating <laughs> it to the cleveland browns I was really proud of some of my tweets this weekend uh, in relation to the Browns, Taylor Swift, and Adele. I was like, this just Oh my God, feels... they were, Brie, you were on fire with those tweets. I was yes. very proud of myself. I'm not one to be like, wow, that was a really good tweet. But I was like, <laughs> like only Actually, women, only women understood what I was although, saying. Uh, at one point during the game on Sunday, Kibby and I were tweeting Taylor Swift lyrics back and forth. <laughs> that's, because that's where we were with yeah. that game. Um, it was a lot. So yeah. we have to keep going with the bad and the Browns. But so I think the other thing, and Brittany, I I know you kind of just waffled on the panic button here. But so Jarvis Landry was doing his Thanksgiving um, food drive today, I believe. That's what it was. Um, and, of course, like 
reporters were asking him questions about football. Um, and he was, you know, asked about, I, I believe asked about the offense, um, and him and his play specifically, but I think it kind of leads a question here with OBJ being gone. The production of the wide receivers have, has not been great. Um, and, and they actually are not leading the team in receiving at this point in time in the season after 10 games in. And there was a headline today that asked the question, does Stefanski's offense need more passes to a wide receiver to be successful. So I want to talk about this with you guys because one thing I also want to ask you is my dad has continued to say, and this is with when OBJ was on the team, he thinks we have one of the worst receiving rooms in the NFL. Really? Yes. And I questioned him, but now like the more that I think about it, the more I don't know if it's the offense, the personnel, or a combination of both. So I don't agree because Jarvis Landry is incredibly talented and Donovan Peoples-Jones is incredibly talented. And Anthony Schwartz does have some. Oh, I'm over Anthony Schwartz right now. He's on my shit list. (laughs) Yeah, he's got control issues. So, I mean, at this point, just teach him. I mean, teach him to, to take the ball into the end zone or something. I don't know. But, Can I ask you a question, though, Meredith? Hmm. Love Jarvis. Love DBJ. I think DBJ is amazing. But do either of those players, are they a number one wide receiver on any other football team? I, I think I think this is the debate, right? Because people yeah. are saying, like, do you need a number one wide receiver in a Kevin Stefanski offense, right? This is kind of what the conversation has come to, which is why, like, OBJ is gone, right? He was supposed to be the number one wide receiver. But then it's like... Right. He wasn't being utilized. Well, now you have Jarvis Landry, which I think Jarvis is probably more injured than we all want to admit at this point yeah. in time. Yeah. But I, And I love DPJ. I think DPJ is really serviceable. But, I mean, I don't know if he should be the number one wide receiver. You know, like, is he number one receiver worthy? And you saw, like, they took him completely out of that football game. I don't know. I mean, it's... This is a puzzle. And I did not think we would be here. Like, I thought we actually right. had one of the best wide receiving rooms in yeah, football, same. like roster-wise. Yeah, and towards the beginning of the season, we were gushing over yes. every offensive weapon. Like, that was, you know, Andrew Barry did a great job building up the defense in the offseason, but we were just head over heels in love with all aspects of the offense. The line, the receivers, the running backs, just everything. I think, number one, like, I have layers to this answer. That's fine. Peel it back. So, first and foremost, um, with OBJ and Jarvis, they are not tall guys. And I'm kind of one of those people where I'm like, I would prefer tall receivers, especially if your quarterback is a little bit short. You know what I mean? Like Josh Gordon. (laughs) Oh, God. What I would give. (laughs) What? I would give. We love to live in the past. <gasps> I know. Oh, could have been the best ever. But I'm not going down that road, guys. I'm not going down that road. Do you think we should try to teach Taco Fall to catch a football? <laughs> yes, that's exactly my next point. <laughs> <laughs> just let the calves come on over on Sundays and be our wide receivers. There you I'm go. just kidding. But, so number one, the, the length. Number two, this is why I was so confused at the beginning of the year when they cut Kadero Hodge. 
Because to me, I look at someone like that and I say, okay, like on paper, he's probably like a, a fourth wide receiver, the three or four on, you know, a regular team. On a Kevin Stefanski type offense, you don't have to, ha- and on a, quite honestly, you're not going to be super successful individually as a wide receiver on this team with this coach in this offense. You're just not. So having these guys who are versatile, tall, steady, like these are the kind of receivers you would think that this offense would call for. And the fact that they just, you know, say, well, you know, you're gone, that shocked me. And and it, that was why. It wasn't like, oh, I just love this guy because he plays air guitar, although I did. <laughs> like, I loved that he played air guitar. But, like, he just seemed like the kind of receiver that fit well in this offense. So now you have Anthony Schwartz, and he's fast, and that's great, but he's very, very raw. He just, at this point, he does not seem to get it. DPJ is fine. He's serviceable. I think he's one of the people that can fit into this offense as long as he understands. And this has got to be tricky for a wide receiver because you think wide receiver, their mentality, they want to be the superstars, right? Like, historically, that's what wide receivers are. And it makes them great and entertaining. But when you're in this offense, it's not about you. And I believe still that Kevin Stefanski makes the team better, but maybe he doesn't make his receivers, you know, their numbers don't pop. So I'm not saying I – I don't think I disagree with your dad that the the receiving corps – I think Higgins is horrendously overrated, and I'll just come out and say that straight up. I do. Um, if, if at the beginning of the season, if it was between Higgins and Hodge, I would have taken Hodge a hundred times. Wouldn't even have thought about it. It's almost like the Freddie Kitchens effect, right? Because everyone was so high on Freddie Kitchens because of his chemistry with Baker and it just didn't work out. And for two seasons, Hollywood had the best chemistry with Baker. So of course I think in everyone's mind, they think that that made him better than he is. So we've got, I think. Brittany, I think you hit the nail on the head with Hollywood Higgins. I think it's the Freddie Kitchens effect. Yeah, and, you know, you think about Stefanski and Barry, they sort of inherited these guys. They inherited – and Njoku's a perfect fit for this offense because, he, you know, he's a big tight end. Kevin Stefanski loves big tight ends. Like, that's that's his thing. He, we all there's a high like premium tight on tight ends and running backs, a little bit on fullbacks, and spreading the ball out to multiple people. That's when the Browns – This when this offense succeeds – when you're just focusing on one, he's never just going to focus on one. Jarvis Landry is never going to get the amount of catches that he wants. He's just not. OBJ was never going to get the amount of targets that he wants. So if you have wide receivers who are serviceable, versatile, and are okay with being on a good team without being the superstar, that's the recipe for success when it comes to the Browns, I think. Yeah, I... I, you know, I don't think we got better in the wide receiving room from last year, right? We just stayed the same. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think last year when we were watching the end of the year, we were like, man, it just feels like if we would just have that receiver and we were all hoping o- Odell would come back and, like, be that guy again, you know, what could this offense be like? And this is, I think, the criticism that Stefanski got in Minnesota is Stefan Diggs was also, like, very unhappy in that offense. And yeah. he went to Buffalo, obviously, and is thriving with Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Stefanski gets the head coaching job in Cleveland and they draft Justin Jefferson and he's doing very well in Minnesota as a wide mm-hmm. receiver. So, yeah, part of me just thinks like I, I'm guessing that the wide receiving 
position overall is not valued in this specific scheme and offense. But I think what concerns me about it is the run game is amazing. And we have Nick Chubb. We have, in my opinion, the best in the league. And then you have Kareem Hunt, who is arguably also one of the best in the league. But when you see teams able to stop the run game and they take out your number one receiver in DPJ and the tight ends don't get involved or they drop passes, what are you left with? It's, I mean, it's scary to think about how that offense is not explosive. It's explosive on paper, but things are just not coming together. And I don't know if you guys saw this stat, but like we're one of the worst third down teams. Oh, yeah. Oh, I believe on the offensive side. I mean, actually, we're really bad on the defensive side as well. It's a problem. Third downs in general have been the Achilles heel. Yeah. This team. I so. Yeah, I mean, it feels like they know what is wrong. I mean, they're really smart. Like, these are smart people. But it's like we can't figure out how to fix it. And that's, like, that's where I'm kind of hitting the panic button a little bit. I'm not saying we have to fire Stefanski. None of us are saying that. It's okay to be concerned 10 weeks in, in a second year of the same offense with the same players, pretty much. What do you guys think of Ken Carmen's comments from the other day where he said – that this was supposed to be a good team on paper. Now it's just a good team on Instagram. Oh, yeah. We got to get into – we'll call this the ugly. I'm not saying Ken Carmen is ugly. <laughs> <laughs> but we had him on the show. We love Ken. You better not. But I think he did. Like, this clip got shared on the internet of Ken's rant. And I think we have to talk about it because it was very toxic on Twitter on Monday and kind of all night Sunday, and it carried into today on Tuesday. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, this, we live in 2021. Social media is a huge aspect of in our lives and in players' lives. Like you can't ignore that. Like I think every team and every player has this, like posting things on Instagram, Facebook, whatever, Twitter, type videos. Like it is just part of their identity. Like they are bigger than their football team as well, right? They're building their own brand, which is fine. Like I, that's totally fine for me. Um, but yeah, I, I just think we're in a spot right now where the expectations were just so much higher going into this year based on where they ended last year that it feels like a bit of a smokescreen to fans, in my opinion. Are we getting punked? I don't know. But it's funny because last year we made fun of Juju Smith-Schuster for his TikToks. And I actually now... had no problem. Like, I was fine. I didn't like him dancing on logos. Like, I thought that, you know, was a little too much. But like, I'm fine. Kind of like, they want to have TikToks and have fun with it. Like, I, I like seeing players' personalities. Like, I welcome that. Brittany, where are you at with this? So, uh, okay. <laughs> what do you want to touch on with the ugly? Do you want to, like, list out some of the ugly that we saw out there? Yeah. Let's do that. <laughs> So some of the reactions that I was seeing, whether it be in my mentions or just around, were... The streets. On the streets. The streets were talking. (laughs) They were... They had word vomit. So Fire Kevin Stefanski came up. That came up, like, in the game. Like, during the game. Like, just... And here's my thing about firing people... I don't understand how people in Northeast Ohio, their first instinct is to 
fire people, to put them on unemployment. <laughs> when so many of us have dealt with it before, and we know the hell that is unemployment. Like, is there no empathy whatsoever? No, no one has empathy. Where you can say, hey, also, maybe there, there are steps you can take before firing somebody. Yeah, and firing doesn't automatically fix problems. No. I don't know. I don't know where in the lexicon of Northeast Ohio that became a thing, but they everyone seems to think that firing is an immediate solution, that that's going to fix the problem. And it it doesn't because it just creates more chaos, more yeah. chaos. Yeah, because then you have an opening and then you have to have an interim person in that place. And then you have I mean, to you go saw the chaos that this a... caused the Browns for like 20 years. <laughs> right. Which, I mean, so like I something like, they did, you throw a tantrum and fire them. Well, that's why it took so long for us to get something normal. Right. And now you just weren't rebuilds... burnt down. Yeah, most rebuilds only take two to three years. For the Browns, it's been taking over 20. Right. So that was one of them. Another one was, <laughs> this one was great. And the people were actually, like, sharing this photo and stuff. Maybe they shouldn't have had that Halloween party. <laughs> like, you waited a week to fire off this tweet. You could not wait to say I it. Know, I and know. And it's they already dated because that, that was over a week. They did what they did. Whatever. Before the Patriots game, by the way. They, yeah. they had they had that tweet in their drafts. Maybe the they mid- shouldn't have had the Halloween party. They're yeah. human beings. They're million-dollar athletes. Like, they're going to party. Who cares? I have never cared about, you know, people are giving Miles Garrett a hard time for showing up in a costume. You know, the Halloween party that they had, like, maybe they shouldn't be partying. Okay. I can't. My brain can't process this right now. Another one. Burn it down and draft new quarterback or trade for Deshaun Watson. I saw this so many times over the past couple of weeks. And if you want to make a case for Russell Wilson, cool. Go for it. He's great. There's no problems there. Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I, I think I think 15 days ago, we all would have been okay with Aaron Rodgers. But then, but then you hear him yeah. talk on the Pat McAfee show, oh and you're like, God. twice. He went on that show twice. Because like, the first time he went on that show, and he said his piece, and everyone was making fun of him for it because it was some of the dumbest crap any of us have ever heard. And then he gets mad, cries cancel culture, and then goes back on the show again. Well, yeah, he has his weekly standing segment on that show. I, that yeah, was horrifying. Yeah. Oh, my God. There were points. You could see Pat McAfee's face where he just thought that Aaron Rodgers was so full of shit, and you could see it on his face, but he didn't want to. You know he doesn't want to damage that relationship, so he's not going to call him out. We also that was like clicks for his show and like all the press that he got out of it. Heck no, I'd be like just let him go. Yeah. So Aaron Rodgers, maybe like he's he's good. Like he's kind of old for my liking, and I probably wouldn't burn it down to you know trade for him. That's just me. But Deshaun Watson, the guy with like twenty two sexual (laughs) harassment. Yeah, like that's the guy that you want. Yeah, because here's the thing. That's the guy that we want, guys, but our (sighs) players cannot have a Halloween party. They can just sexually assault people. We will accept that. I mean. Just don't have a Halloween party, okay? You know know the answer to that. You know how society values women. But here's the thing. If you try to sell the farm for Deshaun Watson, which is what you are going to have to do because the Texans are not going to give him up 
for pennies on the dollar. They're going to try and get as much out of him as they can. You could sell the farm for him, and then he could be in jail That's it. in January. Like, you don't, what are you like, going to do? For whatever reason, this case is being drawn out so long, and I don't even think he has his court date until January. So this is just... No, no, him, they're like, not going to touch it, It's just floating in the abyss of, did he... Didn't he? What's going on with these allegations? We don't know, but we're not going to find out for another three months. Wait, I so, also yeah, saw that is not that is not something you want to trade for. Mitch Trubisky was being floated around again. Oh my like, god, I wanted I to puke. I was like, is this real life? This I've, is. I don't know. I don't know. There's a glitch to... in the simulation, guys. <laughs> yeah, <they're... laughs> when Mitch we're Trubisky in starts it. being brought up seriously, there's something wrong i remember on draft night when mitch trubisky was in the draft and the browns had the opportunity to take him and they didn't i think that may have been miles garrett year um and when he did get drafted people were pulling up his old tweets and they weren't racist or homophobic which is good i guess but the tweets they were pulling up were things like i like boobies (laughs) forgot about that you know, and, and it's not like he was tweeting this as a set. Like, he was tweeting these things when he was in college. <laughs> who, who, who says that? That's, you know, over the age of seven. I like boobies. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, who, that's who Northeast Ohio wanted to lead this franchise to victory was Mr. I like boobies. I don't know. He seems like a culture changer. <laughs> I mean, it's going to change the culture. Maybe not for the better. Yeah, so as, as far as all that goes, I feel like, with the exception of Russell Wilson, everything else is a terrible idea. Like, you don't have any other options. Even if you don't like Baker, if you think that he's not the guy, he's not the future. Unless it's Russell Wilson, he's your best shot right now, and for at yeah. least the next year. Like, that's just the truth. You're not going to get anyone in the draft. They're not going to be in favorable draft position to do so. And even if they, like, there's, it's a very weak class coming up. There's, they're stuck. And I hate to say that they're stuck with Baker, but because I'm not at the point yet where I've fully given up on him. I'm at the point where, like, I want him to either do really poorly or really great so that yeah, I saw you one way that. or the was... other, like, we can figure this out. Yeah, but I haven't but given like... up. I think you've seen him be good enough to make a case that he could be the guy, and you've seen him be bad enough that you're like, this can't be our franchise quarterback i'm tired of living in limbo with this guy like do one way or the other that's be it be consistently good or consistently that's bad. it court quarterback purgatory yes it's what it it's is. hell this has been hell no it's not hell it's it's purgatory because we don't know if it's gonna be good or bad it's been both at the same time i was just thinking too like the browns are just they're an average team right now i i, I mean yeah we have to admit that they're not good. They're not bad. I mean, sure, they've had really bad games, but they're still a 5-5 five and five team. Like, that's average. And Adequate. Yeah, I think the most disappointing that's... thing for me is not even, like, the actual play. It was, like, they did give up on Sunday. You know, that's something that we haven't seen from this team. Like, th- th- this would be the norm, you know, in 2016-2017. I was really surprised by the fact that it felt like the game was over in the second quarter. And they, they really did. I mean, I turned it off in the fourth quarter. I was like, I'm not watching this. Like, why am I going to subject myself to this 
disaster. Like, they're not even playing. I, it was just, they were out physical. They were bullied. They were making really dumb mistakes. They gave up. I mean, it was, it was nothing that we deserve to watch as fans. It was not great. No. No. Really ugly. Um, and as Brittany mentioned, like, all of these things that happened afterwards, like, from the fan base perspective, was even uglier. I mean, we had to sit there and witness that. Like, no one's happy about it. But then, like, do we have to have this type of meltdown <laughs> after every loss? Like, I don't – I really uh, – and I tweeted about this, and I want to, like, talk about it because I actually had no idea that it, people were going to respond in a way that they did, but – I tweeted just about how I stopped this season specifically after the Arizona game. Actually, I stopped letting the Browns outcome of their football game impact my mood for the day slash night. And it has truly for me been like life changing. (laughs) And everyone was like so shocked by that. And I just like want to explain for a minute. So after the Chargers loss, when you know, at the beginning of the season, like they played great. It was a moral victory for us, right? But we were so disappointed that we lost. I was so upset, and I like spent three hours of my night fighting with random people on the internet to defend my point. <laughs> that is what I did. And then, you know, I was like annoyed, but I'm also very stubborn, and I can admit that. Like, I I want to get my point across. I want to be right. I will fight with you on things that I'm very passionate about. Then I went to the Arizona game in person, and that was just a colossal failure (laughs) right from the start. And I remember we we had the podcast, and I was like, I actually feel like it's easier to watch them lose in person for some reason. Like, I I don't know what it is about, like, watching them in person. It's super disappointing and annoying, but I felt, like, less upset about it. And then, you know, the game comes on on Sunday, and I just knew I had a feeling that it wasn't going to be a great game. We I didn't think we would be able to claw our way back out of it. And so I was like, you know, I'm, I'm in the game. Like, I'm still passionate. I'm yelling. I'm mad about things. But once the game is over, I'm like, okay, like, I still have to be a mom. I still have to be a wife. I still have to wake up and go to my job the next day. Like, why am I going to let this game, this loss, like, win or lose, impact, like, how my night is going to go? It just, like, felt so silly to me. And I know sports are supposed to be an escape, and they are for a lot of people. And I understand it could feel like sometimes your real life, like, you you need to escape from. I get that. I don't need to escape from my real life. I love my life. I have a great family. I have a great job. I know that not all people have that. So they they really look for sports as an outlet. So I want to be empathetic to that point of view. But I will say, if you are in that spot where this game is impacting your well-being, your mental health, your mood all evening into the next day, into the week, maybe don't watch it. If you can't, like, take yourself out of the equation. Like, I, I, it's just like the world is going to go on regardless of the Browns winning or losing. So I just, like, put it in my head, like, I'm going to be – reactive I'm gonna be mad but then like I'm gonna play a board game with my kids after I'm gonna have fun and I'm not gonna sit around and fight with people on the internet for three hours and sulk at my house because the Browns scored seven points and played horrendous like I it's just a mindset for me now and it's honestly like it's just so freeing I don't know another word other than just I just feel so free so you pretty much 
put out on the internet that you were not going to let sports ruin your day and people got mad at you for it. <laughs> like, they'll do, they'll got... do anything but go to therapy. <laughs> yeah, right. Like people people got mad because you made the conscious decision to not let sports ruin your day. Well, you know, I only had a few people like say that I wasn't a fan, you know, by not letting a sporting event ruin my life. Um, and if they would just go back to the Chargers game, like I, I did do that. But I actually had a lot of very positive responses, like, how do you do this? And I didn't I didn't expect that because I didn't realize how many people like go through the same feeling as how I was feeling like originally earlier in the season. So I don't know, like I feel like when they win, it's 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 great. Like I'm happy about it, but it just makes the losses that much I guess easier to swallow because I'm like, whatever, like they lost. So what? Like still going to wake up and log on and do my work. Like it's not like that changes how I go about yeah, my life. You can, yeah. I mean, you can still be passionate about a subject and not let it ruin your life because it ha- because whether or not the Browns win or lose, it has no impact on your life. You know, unless, you know, you're an employee of the Cleveland Browns, win or lose doesn't really impact your life or yeah, I'm just Anything trying not to let it, things so. and like even beyond like sports, but I'm just trying to do a better job of not getting stressed out or upset or mad about things that are truly out of my control. I can't I have no control over this. So like why am I going to waste my energy on something that I physically cannot control? Like you can't right. control the weather. So like I why be mad about it? I mean, I get mad about snow. Yeah, but like, (laughs) you know, like complain about it, but then it's like, okay, well, that's enough. But Well, it does ruin my life because (laughs) I still have to go in the office and I have to dig out my car and I get stuck and I fishtail. There were a few times last year where the plow hadn't come through my parking lot yet and we had, you know, 18 inches of snow on the ground and I needed to go to get to work and, you know, I'm spinning out of control and trying not to hit other cars in my parking lot. So, yeah, I get mad because snow does affect my life and it ruins my day. Yeah. And I think my perspective has shifted, too, because and I'll like be done after this. But I'm on this foster care journey and we're t- we've been taking care of a little baby since July. And if you want to talk about like an emotional roller coaster and journey and not having any control, like that is exactly what we are going through right now. And so I just think it's helped put things into perspective of like. I'm trying to also manage those emotions of not having any control over this little little baby's life. I have no say in anything that's going to happen to her, to her family, nothing at all. I'm just here for her in this moment. So I'm going to just live in this moment, do everything I can to help her and be there for her. And whatever happens is going to happen. I don't have a say in that. So that's just kind of like... I can drive myself crazy thinking about all the different scenarios, right? And I physically can't control any of it. So I'm just trying to, like, let go. Let go of the things that I cannot control and just be in the moment and then move on. So that's it. It's It's a good mindset to have. It's a great mindset to have because, I mean, I've been saying this for a while that I don't let sports ruin my day. Like, you can be upset and disappointed at an outcome you can be mad you can be you know you can have emotions and you can feel those emotions but it shouldn't ruin your day yeah yep i had a lot of parents respond to me too of like some eye-opening things of like yeah I, I noticed like when my kids like would pick up on my emotions of like being in a bad mood and then it's like 
I could kind of start to feel myself getting that way too of like just losing my patience and you know like my kids don't deserve that either you know I, I don't know it's just everyone has bad days right you, you can have a bad day at work or you know in a relationship or you know something in that sense where it kind of carries over and impacts your other relationships but it's like it just seems so silly to let a football game be the cause of your mood you know I don't know Anyway, um, Brittany, I feel like you have to talk about, like, this kind of goes along the same lines, right? You you brought up, like, questions in here about getting into an argument with your significant other. And I need to know what you're talking about here. Um, sometimes I don't even know what my brain does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so for that. The snowball. I, was, I think. Actually, something just happened. So, it wasn't an argument, but, like, it was something small that gets blown so out of proportion because it's all of the small things that just manifest themselves into something yeah. until you go absolutely berserk over something seemingly insignificant. Like, and that, that's, that's what I feel like the fans are doing now because that's when they bring up the Halloween party. <laughs> and we're still talking about OBJ. OBJ, And, yeah. you know, Stefanski's the boogeyman now, and Joe Woods needs to get fired and burn it all down, and let's get the, you know, the sexual deviant in here to play quarterback. <laughs> all of these, like, all of these terrible ideas are just, they can't get them out fast enough. And I think, it, like, sometimes, like, I get stressed, and I don't always handle it well. I guess you would say, one might say, and like right before we started this show tonight, I, <laughs> so I, I, you ever have those nights where like you don't have a second to like sit down? Yeah. Yeah. So from the time that I got home from work, I've just, I had to go to the grocery store, I had to make dinner, I had to do laundry. So then... You know, I'm already irritated because I just want to sit down and eat my salad. That's all I want to do in the world is just sit down and eat the salad that I made. And everything's going wrong all at once. So I tried to put my little laundry cart in this machine to refill it. And it it said it was declined, but it still took the $10 out. So then I tried it again. And it said, you know, declined again. So I was like, okay. So, you know, I was talking to Danny. I was like, Danny, can I use your card? So then he did it and it declined his, but still took the $10. So now we're out $20. I have a washer full of wet clothes that I can't dry because I don't have any more money in my laundry card. And I still have not finished my salad. And I'm like just firing off all of these F-bombs <laughs> and almost in tears because of this very little thing. Like, it's not that big of a deal. You know, I'll just say, whatever, Daniel will wash him tonight. It's not that. But in the moment, you become like a prisoner of the moment. And these yes. little things that just add up and you're like, oh, my God. Like, why is everything going wrong all at once? Can I please just sit here and eat my goddamn salad? That's it. Yeah. So that it's was my point with the fans. It seems like it's just one little thing after another, after another, and after another. And then it all culminates into this very dramatic, really nothing. My whole thing is that, you know, Bree, you said you talked about how you don't let it like impact your daily life as far as the Browns go. And the reason that I have not hit the panic button yet is because I just instinctively trust Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski. Still, yeah. still when you put smart, calm people in charge, the results will come. Maybe 
I think one of the things that they're, they're seeing now, and I want to talk about this when we're talking about uh, the wide receivers, is because they inherited, you know, some of these important pieces. Like, you know, Jarvis, OBJ, they were, whether we thought that they were super productive on the field, especially OBJ, they were very popular in the locker room with these players. A lot of these younger guys looked up to them, mm-hmm. like, all of them had had nothing but great things to say about OBJ. And, you know, you just saw Jarvis's comments. I think what we're seeing is the honeymoon period is obviously over. And you're seeing these leaders sort of, I guess they're kind of playing like middleman. And because, you know, they're... It, it's a leadership role, but also they have their their friends' backs while trying to also respect the coach. But now they're sort of tr- starting to speak out a little bit about adjustments, and this isn't going well. And it looks like there's more happening under the surface than we're seeing. But I do think with the right leadership, and I still trust that this is the right leadership, they'll write, they'll write the ship. It'll be fine. But we're just seeing them trying to sort of come together. And it's a little bit shocking because we thought that they were already there, especially after last season. I think now we're seeing, hey, these wide receivers don't really have a place on this team. Maybe this guy isn't as valuable. You know, they're going to have a hard time getting wide receivers to come to this team, so they're going to have to rely heavily on draft. But, you know, all these things are trying to come together. You still don't – you're not 100% sure about your quarterback. And it is one thing after another. But at the end of the day, I still think they're going to be fine. Like, I'm not panicking. I'm actually happy you brought up the snowballing, though, because I think it goes into, like, being, you said it, a prisoner of the moment and being in our own little bubble because the NFL is a hot mess. Like, it's not just the Browns, you guys. Like, I I have to sit here and remind myself, too, like, it's okay to be mad about the Browns being 5-5 and and having that awful, awful loss to the Patriots. And then the week before going out and just absolutely destroying the Bengals. Like, you have other teams, guys, that feel like the world is falling apart around them as well. It's not just us as a fan base. And all of this being said, like, the Browns still have an opportunity and a chance to be in the playoffs. We still have almost all of our division games left, right? We have a Steelers and a Bengals game still left. And then you play the Ravens twice. Like, you can still actually win the division, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's over. Right. And I know it feels very bleak, like, when you have a performance like you had on Sunday, but I don't, like, everything is still out in front of them. Like, it's it's their, it's their chance to lose. And, like, what I just want to see, like, I just want us to stop as a fan base. Like, the Ravens lost on Thursday night, right? I went to bed. I didn't even see it happen. But I woke up, like, pleasantly surprised. But I'm not going to sit there and crush, like, the Ravens and pile it on them and their fan base because then you turn around on Sunday and have to deal with the, what we just witnessed and it's like let's stop doing that because the NFL like every single week there are these losses that just blow your mind yes. it doesn't matter the team. I mean Tom Brady yesterday the GOAT played like crap his team lost Patrick yes. Mahomes for four straight games looked like he was a disaster throwing more interceptions than touchdowns I mean guys like I, I don't know, like, we shouldn't just be, we shouldn't be going this crazy saying, like, the world is ending. It's not. It's not ending. It seems like it is, but it's not. It almost feels like 
because we've talked about this before with the Browns fan base and then just wanting to be miserable. There has been a very, very, very long stretch. It felt like a very long stretch where there wasn't really anything to be miserable about because the team was so strong in 2020 and you had Kevin Stefanski as coach of the year in 2020 and they had some really good games early on this season and I feel like when you do have that one ugly loss to the Steelers or that one ugly loss to the Patriots all of that I want to be miserable energy just comes to the surface and it just exploded like people were just waiting for their moment to be a miserable fan base like they could not wait to be miserable because for the past year and a half there has not been a lot to be miserable about with this team yeah and we play the Detroit Lions who are winless they have a tie against the Steelers um which (laughs) you guys that game I tuned out of our game to turn that game on. And I literally was like, (laughs) this is the ugliest game I have ever witnessed. And we've witnessed a lot of really ugly Cleveland Browns football. Um, But yeah, and I I don't want to write the Lions off either, right? Like they're hungry for their first win. Like we know what it's like to go 0-16. They know what it's like to go 0-16. Like they're not chomping at the bit to do that again. And right now this Browns team, like if I am a Lions player and or coach, I'm harping on like the Cleveland Browns are vulnerable. At this point, right? Like, they are not in a good headspace either. And this could be a great opportunity for them to win this football game, too. So I don't don't think we should think as Brownstown, like, this is the lock. There's a lot of things that have not gone right for us that I don't think we should just count them out. Like, as you can see in the NFL, anyone can win any given Sunday. Like, it's so stupid and cliche. I can't believe I just said that. But it's just been a weird season, so... Yes, we can take comfort in that everyone else is ass as well. Exactly. The NFL is ass. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> I mean, do you guys remember in 2019, I'm going to start off another sentence. Oh, God. We beat the Ravens. Was it like week four or something? Yes. Like in Baltimore with Freddie Kitchens. Like it was glorious. And then we sucked ass the entire rest of the season. Like, that can happen again. Like, we can still do those things. Yes. I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. This was this was good. I'm glad we did this tonight. Me too. It was necessary. Needed our therapy. It was a long, we had a long episode for you. So, thank you guys well, for sticking with us. Yes. Hopefully. Well, and normally, we haven't had a chance to talk about the Cavaliers. Right. Or, or the Guardians. And we did. That's right. We'll be hopefully being able to continue Cavs talk. We'll see what's happening with the injuries and staying close to what's going on with them. You know, if we ever get a chance to watch them. Brittany has to go attend in person. Yeah, that'll not cost me anything. <laughs> She'll be, you know, I did go see, me. I saw someone post on Twitter, Brittany, they waited until like the last minute and they got like $51 floor seats. Holy crap. And I feel like you wow. live close enough to Rocket Mortgage. Mortgage, you can do that. Brittany's going to be scalping tickets on the corner. (laughs) I will die before I get cable. Like, I will die. So I'm not doing that. Brittany's going to die before she gets cable and fills her car's tires. I'm going to die before a lot of things. (laughs) Okay, so my parents are coming in uh, next week for Thanksgiving, and they're going to stay with me for an extended amount of time, and I don't have cable, and they do. And I think they're used to cable, and I had to explain to them 
like, okay, I've got all of these streaming services, which they know because they've visited me before and they've been to my apartment multiple times and stayed with me for extended amounts of time. I had to explain to them, no, I don't have cable, but I have pretty much every streaming service you can think of. Plus I have just literal rabbit ears for my TV so I can get over the air broadcast channels. Like you're not going to die without cable for a week and a half. <laughs> they will survive. That's right. We're going to have to have a special Halloween episode next Halloween. Cheese. Oh man. Thanksgiving. <laughs> I need to find my old, I had a tweet thread and I think this was from like when we first started the podcast and Britt and I got into it about what was better thanksgiving was it thanksgiving and christmas episodes i believe right and i like i had i had a whole list and i think i tweeted them all out i need to go back in the archives and see if those tweets still exist because i think i might have to retweet those this year yeah we'll have to put something together hopefully we're not sulking again you know we're not going to be sulking we'll be fine but the yeah. rest of rest of Brown's Twitter will not be fine. So we have we know how to regulate our emotions. We do. So we will be a okay. High emotional IQs on this podcast. All right, everyone. Well, thank you for tuning in. We always appreciate you listening. Um, don't forget, you can download us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, iTunes. Rate and review us if you get a chance, and reach out to us on Twitter. Let us know what you guys think is the good, the bad, and the ugly, or the ass. But we'll take it all. Thanks for listening. 